I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business podcast. Hey, guys, again, thank you for joining us. I know everybody's busy. It's the busiest time of the year. This is an extension of the Committed to the Craft Conference, so we're trying to answer any of the business questions and, more importantly, talk about some things that we did not get to during the conference. Uh, So I'm excited to hear Phil, excited to hear Corey, excited to hear Ryan, and I'll have a a brief spill here as well. And, Phil, I know you'll elaborate on, on what we are doing here and the mission is, so I will turn it over to you and be on the back end managing. All right, welcome in everyone. And if they're getting this on the recording, we're gonna try to format this as a recording for people that did not come to the Committed to the Craft Conference. So what we're gonna do is have a lineup. Uh, I'm gonna go first, Corey's next, Myson third, and we're gonna close with Ryan. Anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. Corey, I got a timer on, bro. I'm going to stay on time. All right. And if anybody goes over time, I'm the guy in the corner that's going to be waving you down. Let's get it. So we're going to try to get this done in in 90 minutes from there. So if you did not attend the Committed to the Craft conference, one of my favorite aspects of it, um, we had the keynotes from Gannon Baker, Phil Handy, Rob Fodor. But Sunday we called an optional day is where we piled in all the workshops And all these gentlemen speaking today had a workshop with a lot of other very gifted and talented coaches and trainers. And it went amazing, but um, there was just so much that we couldn't get in because of the time. And we actually ran all the way up until we had our shooting camp with Rob Fodor. So we wanted to follow up and everything that we didn't get to get to, I didn't get to present, Corey didn't even get to his slides. And I know the other guys could have said a lot more. What we're gonna do is just go 15 to 20 minutes, give you as much, gems as much fire as much value as possible and then we're going to swing it to the next one what my presentation is is going to be on what's called the trainer's blueprint so i'm gonna start my 20 minutes right here back in 2019 i released a pdf that was about six seven pages called the trainer's blueprint and what the purpose of it was was to figure out um how to grow your training business in your community That was the key, how to grow your training business in your community. And what I ended up doing was creating a PDF of how I ended up growing mine. So I'm gonna quickly go through it. And these will apply to anybody how to grow within your market. So number one was how to price yourself and how to pay trainers if you scale. Number two is how to secure gyms. Number three is building up your client base, how to gain more clients. Four is networking and social media, how to leverage that. Uh, Find your identity and become a specialist as a coach or a trainer. And then uh, the aspects of running a clinic, a camp, and a league, all those events. And if we have time, I'll get to the business versus the ministry side. So number one, what I want to go through is as a skills trainer in your local community, I live in Louisville, and so Kentucky and Indiana, we don't compete with other sports. Basketball is number one. 
So that's the blessing of it. The other aspect is, is it's very saturated. There are a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches uh, that are getting in it and it feels like it grows every week. So the issue is how do I separate myself to start building up a loyal and consistent clientele from the gym to people that are training with me on a consistent basis. So number one is provide value up front, up front, and maybe even for free, and then become a solution. So basically it comes down to find a problem, create the solution, scale. Everything that I'm going to say is going to come back down to that. Find the problem, create the solution with what you do, and then figure out how you scale that. And if you look at any huge business uh, from an Amazon, Apple, that's basically what they did. They figured out a problem and they were able to scale it over time. So this is how I started. And again, I, I love how Phil Handy talked about in, in his keynotes that he's not going to say his way is the only way, but this is what actually worked for him. And I would say the same thing. This is what actually worked for me and how I grew it. So take from what I've done in my story and see how you can apply it to your situation. So 2015 was my last season overseas. I started networking and contacting all the coaches I had relationships with back in Louisville. I was in the Philippines. So for the months leading up to that, what I ended up doing was I ended up reaching out to different people and just trying to set up free basketball clinics or free training sessions with teams. And that way I could provide value. And my only request was that at the end of it, they would let me share my testimony, kind of the mission of Hoops for Christ. That was my only request of it. I didn't ask for money. And so by doing that, especially for me that's operating in the sports ministry realm, I had to provide value and I had to gain trust. That was a big thing. Um, and so just a quick story, how I got in with uh, the biggest basketball training program, or excuse me, facility in Kentucky was they had no in-house trainer. They were just renting courts out every week to camps, to trainers. So what I did was I was like, look, I, I can come in, let's create a 50-50 partnership and I will start your own youth leagues and your own clinics every week. And that way you're not just renting courts out, you actually have money coming in-house. So I saw that that was an issue they were having. I tried to become the solution. And then by having other trainers work with me, I was able to scale it within two years to where we were selling out all the youth leagues, doing a year-round basketball academy for this specific facility um, before I broke off. Um, so that was one. Another one is uh, the nicest church gym in the state of Kentucky. They were having issues with AAU coaches uh, that weren't paying. Trainers coming in, not paying. Uh, it was a church that wanted to operate as a ministry and they just had people coming in, running amok, cussing people out. And they were like, look, we're done. We're done working with AAU teams. We're done working with the YMCA. We would like to kick them all out. And they couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. Once I came there, ran a clinic, they basically offered the entire facility to me and said, why don't you make this facility the Hoops for Christ facility? It's, it looks like an NBA facility. It's got two courts, two weight rooms, a track, conference rooms, everything. And the only people that are allowed now in this facility is anyone that works with Hoops for Christ because they had a problem. And, you know, in that situation, by God's grace, I could become the solution. So that's number one quickly is when you approach somebody to partner or to get a gym or to figure something out, come to it with the idea of how does this benefit them first? 
And if I can benefit them and help them get in a position to do what they want to do, then it's going to help me get where I want to go. Somebody asked a question. I wanted to share the question with everyone else. Uh, <clears throat> the question was, how do you feel for you? How were you able to locate the churches that had gym space that you needed? And how did you negotiate pricing? Okay. Um, number one, uh, there's this website called Google. Just Google every church with a gym. Just Google that. Churches with gyms. Okay. Now I'm ministry based. So the key for me was I went in and here's the key. When you sit down in the meeting, we sit down. Hey, how you doing? Good. Figure out what is important to them. What are the, they all have a evangelistic outreach. They have a youth group. They figure out what is their goal. Don't talk about what you want. Don't talk about the gym. Don't figure out and then figure out how you can benefit them. That's number one. Once you benefit them, they will in some ways be indebted by grace to be like, they want to help you. You gain trust, you gain loyalty, and then you can figure out the price from there. You want to be a partner, not a tenant. There's a difference. When there's a partnership, there's a relationship. Number two is research your market as far as understanding how to price yourself. So this is a common question I get all the time. How do I price myself and how much should I charge? So this is my tip. And the story is I was training a kid. And when it was over, um, I think at that time I was charging $40 an hour for a session at that time. And the dad paid me and says, man, you guys do a great job. Um, I wish this baseball trainer, you could get as much out of him as as, the, as you guys do with basketball. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, we train, we pay the baseball trainer $100 an hour and we pay you guys 40. And I was like, whoa. And what it helped me realize was not that I needed to train, charge $100 an hour. It was that I didn't understand my market. I did not understand what baseball trainers were charging, soccer trainers were charging, football quarterback coaches, basketball coach. I had a pretty good idea of basketball coaches. So uh, research that, not just in your sport, but um, what everyone in your market is doing in all sports. That would be a key. I think sometimes people overlook. Um, and then the next point, I'm going to say this, this might be controversial, but I'm on, this is just what I found in my own experience. Okay. I would rather someone, if they're a great trainer and they're professional, they have professionalism, be Rolex versus Walmart. There's a lot of Walmart trainers out there. And what I mean is you're competing on price. What I would do is provide as much value where it no longer becomes a price proposition. It becomes a value proposition. You are providing so much value above and beyond what any other trainer or business is offering that price is no longer the issue. And the reason why I say this, Rolex does not have to run ads like a Walmart's going to have to. It sells itself because of quality. You understand that. And the reason why I say that is try to be as professional and as the best possible trainer as you can. I would say it's easier to grow if you become the highest, uh, if, if your price or whatever, your price point is higher than anyone else. I would argue that. And the reason why I say that is because I did the other route. And you guys will attest to this. The parent that will write a $500 check and not blink and just renew, or they're in a membership or whatever, they're a lot easier to deal with. They cancel a lot less than the person that keeps trying to negotiate your price. What well, can you do 20? I only got 15 on me. 
I'll get you next time, right? And they, what they do all the time, they no show on you all the time. I was done dealing with that. And that's why I say, I use the term, uh, for lack of better use, a Walmart trainer. In other words, you're willing to negotiate and be the lowest uh, number. You're going to deal with a lot other problems when you go into that clientele. That's just my own personal opinion. People can disagree with that. But I would rather be considered the highest level trainer in the sense of professionalism, how I operate, obviously getting results, then negotiate my prices. Because here's the thing is, uh, Ryan's going to speak on this later. Once you establish who you are and like to get in is X amount of money. You're, you're not even going to hear from people that might try to undercut you or take advantage of you or no show or not pay on time or, you know, cause we've all dealt with that. So that's another one. Um, and it's a lot easier uh, to deal with people if they're willing to be at a higher price point um, because people pay for what they want at the end of the day. That's the reason why they don't want to pay sometimes for training because uh, they say they don't have the money for it, but the, but they got brand new Jordans on every time you see them. It's just people pay for the things that they actually want. Um, third, scale and build a team. Now, there's one thing I liked about the Committed to the Craft Conference is the collaboration part. And what we noticed was by the end of the week, how much of how intimate, how much of a family environment is, but it, environment it is, but you know. Most times trainers, in my opinion, are very standoffish, very solo, a lot of lone rangers. And because I think the mindset is they have a hard time transferring from being a competitor as a player to going into business. And they don't understand it's not one person wins like whenever you're a competitor. See, I don't need mice in the lose for me to win. Like we actually can both win when you collaborate within business and it benefits each other. And so that's why I say it's important to scale and build a team. Going back to what I told you, find a problem, become the solution or create the solution and then scale it. So for four straight years, we've been selling out our youth leagues. It's not possible to run a youth league by myself. I need other quality trainers. And uh, when I say youth league, I'm also saying I don't have parent coaches because that's a whole nother issue in itself. The more you involve parents in your program, the more problems you're going to have. If you don't know that, you will find that out. So what I did was the first season I had parent coaches and they weren't even showing up for their own kids game. So I removed all the parent coaches. I shrunk the league down to uh, roughly eight to 12 teams. So it created scarcity. All my trainers that train them were also the coaches as well. We coached the teams, broke them up in divisions. And now they, they're getting a quality experience that no other youth league could compare to because they're using parent coaches It's volunteer based and we add the training aspect into it. Right. So I'm a big believer in the law of vibration, meaning the energy you give out to other people, you attract that back in. And I found that toxic people want to hang around toxic people and good people want to hang around other people. They have a, I call it the Holy spirit, but they have an intrinsic radar to understand like, they can sense that this person's on the same wave as them. And so I believe by God's grace, I've been able to attract in other high character uh, people that have a passion similar to my passion. And so it's worked out. And uh, we've got eight guys involved with Hoops for Christ. And so once I had that group in, 
and we were able to create a brotherhood. Now we can scale. So we have the prison ministry um, that we go into prisons. We're able to run big camps like the Nike camps. That's originally how I first met Myson was he was talking to me about the Nike camp. Um, we're able to do youth leagues. If you guys were at the conference, guess who the staff at the conference was? All of our guys with Hoops of Christ. We were able to pull that off. And so that's why I think it's important to not be a lone soldier, but at least find others to help you scale. Because if it's just one person, you cannot replicate yourself. There's only so many hours a day, only so many places you can be. If you really want to grow, it's important that you surround yourself uh, with the right people. So that's the key is understanding their goals and then help put them in a position. I had this conversation with Gannon. One thing that's helped me um, and I'm just going to go in this because there was two people at the conference that asked this question. They're like, how do I, how do I know I can trust somebody? How can I hire somebody? How, how can I know I'm not being taken advantage of? This is what I think. If you try to put another man or woman who is passionate and has an entrepreneur spirit about them underneath you, they're going to leave you. Either they're going to undercut you or when the moment is right, they're going to leave you because people always do what benefits them. If they feel like staying with you will benefit them, they will stay with you. But in most situations, you gain loyalty because people think and believe that you have their best interests in mind. So this is what I've done. Almost every one of my guys have their own brand. All of them. And I've helped them build their own brand. And because of that, they understand I'm not trying to stifle their growth or progression in life and business. They've stayed loyal to me. So we can run big events together. But I've always told them, if you want to leave, like, just talk to me. Don't do anything shady. Let's stay on good terms. But I will help you, put you in a position to help you. On my way here, I got a phone call from one of my trainers asking me about, you know, I can make more money doing this. And I'm like, if you can make more money, do that, then do that. I want you to do what's best for you and for your family. And I think that is a key to helping grow and scale. Uh, let's move on real quickly. I got a couple of things I want to get to. Gym space. Anybody have problems with gym space? Let the church say amen, right? Unless you got your own gym, that's the end goal. All of us have problems with gym space, okay? I'm just going to give you a couple tips to help me. And this is post-COVID. 2020 changed everything for me. Before 2020, I operated out of grace. I had great relations with churches. So you know what they did? They said, hey, we got a few extra hours here, Phil. You can jump in, take it. Okay, cool. Uh, how much is it? Don't worry about paying. I love what you're doing for our church and ministry. Great. I'm operating off of grace. And guess what? I had keys to four gyms. I had access to eight gyms. How many people in your own community can say you had eight gyms, right? That was me pre-COVID. And then COVID hit and they started shutting down the churches. And I lost gym access to literally every gym. Every gym shut down. And I finally got back into one, which is like 40 minutes from my house. But what COVID did and no shutdowns is it exposed a weak point in my business, which is I needed a consistent gym space in multiple ones. For a trainer, your gym time, your gym space is your bloodline. You do not train, okay? And unless you know, you're in San Diego and you can train outside and do all that. But for the most part, we all need a gym. And so... My advice is always have two to three gyms and good relationships with. And the story I'll go to is if you've ever seen the story about founders uh, with McDonald's, 
um, uh, Mr. Crockett, who took McDonald's and the McDonald's brothers to the next level, the one big thing that he talked about is he said, we're not in the hamburger business, we're in the real estate business. McDonald's is the number one real estate owner um, in the country, one of the biggest in the world. And he had the foresight to understand that the way to grow and scale, the value was in the real estate. And to trainers, what I would say is view yourself also in real estate. Each gym is real estate. The more gyms you have in your community, and I mean relationships, I don't mean you have to actually be in that gym. I just mean you have the relationships, then you're going to, one, have more gym access and ability to scale and grow. When those emergencies come up, man, I pulled up to a gym and there's a blood drive going on. Come on, pastor. You didn't tell me about the blood drive today. When you have those emergencies happen, it happens to me, I can't tell you how many times, you have access to other gyms. And third, it, you have that power, that real estate, actually it is creating power. You have the ability to do more events and have more autonomy. Um, and so also you can figure out your business model. Am I gonna do groups? Am I gonna do one-on-one? Can I do leagues? What makes sense? So that's another thing. Um, I got three minutes. Let me, uh, let me go to this. Building your client base. Um, first thing I would say is, your reputation precedes you. Long before somebody contacts you to be your client or start training with you, they probably watched you from a distance for a long time on IG. They've called other people about you. If you don't get that phone call, it's because your reputation killed that relationship before they ever met you. That's why it's so important not to burn bridges. And I'm saying this to skills trainer because the new trend is the ego. I'm the best trainer, I'm the GOAT, look at me, and it's all about you. Guess what? That turns people off. That's so ugly when, when people can see that. That's not an attractive quality to have. My thing is, if your reputation precedes you, what you put out, I'm a big believer in reaping and so on, what you sow into other people, that seed will produce fruit. And so that's why it's so important to have the ability to have people skills, relationship skills, not burn bridges, you know, not send emotional text messages, not go on social media and send and tweet or post emotional things because that goes out there and that precedes you. That is your introductory card. People don't use business cards anymore. They use social media. They check you out on social media. That's how people check you out. So your reputation precedes you. Number two, what I say is called the seatbelt test. Now, the seatbelt test is this. This is what will separate you as a trainer and build your clientele. A kid comes to your camp or training, have a good time. Mom or dad picks him up. He gets in the car and you have to pass the seatbelt test, which means before that kid puts the seatbelt on, can he tell his parent one thing that they learned? Or did they can go, I really don't know. We just kind of did a bunch of drills, went through some comps. Can, can they say, I learned Today, what a DHO means, Coach Coop, shout out. Can you teach them one thing they learned? I've learned how to do a rip through today. It could be simple. Uh, you know what? I learned, hey, I got to reach in the cookie jar. Every time I shoot, hold my father through reaching to the cookie jar. The parent knows that's money well spent. He's being taught. He's being invested in. And so I always say that will separate you. The last thing I will close on, man, I've got Ooh, I got like eight other things I could go in, but the last thing I'll close on is this, keywords. 
I told the story yesterday. I posted it. Um, parents care about who is investing in their child. They want to know that their child is building confidence more than how quick the crossover is. I found this. Parents just want good people, good role models to be around their kids. And so you build it brick by brick, relationship by relationship. If you can build confidence, if you can be a role model, if you can hone in and develop a specific skill set, right? The kid's struggling with handling pressure in his AAU games. If you can help him understand how to handle pressure and not turn it over, if that kid gets a result in his next weekend, you got a client for good because you actually gave them a quick result and, and, and you help them where they're at rather than trying to fit them into what you do. So that's what I'll say. I'll leave turning your stuff into a membership-based business and all that to Ryan at the end. Um, but here's what I will say. My last pitch and offer, I'm going to swing it to you, Corey. I have this thing called the Trainer's Blueprint, okay? If you hit me up, I will send you it for free. It's my whole story, everything that helped me grow to the largest basketball training uh, business in Kentucky within about three years. I put it all in a PDF. And a lot of people have asked me about a mentorship program. Listen, I'm interested in doing a partnership program. When I'm a partner with you, that means we both have something invested. It's just not a monetary exchange. So I've, I'm putting together with Ryan a partnership program, which would be Zooms, one-on-ones, but it would be so that you can be successful and we can bounce ideas because I call it a partnership, not a mentor, because I'm actually trying to learn from anybody I come in contact with. So that's my 20 minutes. Swing it to Corey. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.